something's happening. There we go. We are live on a Friday night at five past eight. It's slightly slightly later time than we build because I am a massive twat and I forgot to set up the YouTube live stream. So it was ready to go. Um, so, so there's that. Anyway, welcome. Hello. Welcome to episode 149 of A Thompson and Other Disappointments. Your twice weekly delve into the worlds of politics and dystopia. Your shameless shimmy through the fields of frenetic Friday fun and fuckery. Uh, punk politics is the name, and self-medicating our way through the dismal state of the formerly Great Britain is the game. Um, Sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. Actually, do you know what? Like, punk politics is not really the name. That's just a, a thing I say. The name of the show is Abe Thompson and Other Disappointments. And if it's your first time listening to one of these, you are welcome. Pull up a pew. Grab yourself a craft ale or a G&T or a large Campari. Uh, and let me take you by the hand on this most latest adventures down the depressive, infuriating, enraging rabbit hole of the United Kingdom. Um, oh, fuck. Actually, I almost forgot. I need to do... i got to do the advert, guys. This is, this is quite exciting. <laughs> right, here we go. Here's the advert. Uh, this show has been brought to you uh, in association with Hilton Hotels exquisite accommodation for you and your family in all the best cities across the globe if you stay in other hotels you're a pedophile like seriously at a hilton do not stay at the mayfair or like travel lodge or premier inns no pull out your credit card head to hiltonhotels.com or be branded a raging fucking nonce burger for the rest of your days shame your family and shame your fucking ancestors hilton <laughs> hotels guys um, I did warn, like regular listeners will know, I did warn you motherfuckers that if you didn't find me some sponsors, like some genuine adverts to help support the show, then I was going to make some up and you just have to sit through them instead. So there you go. Congrats, guys. You've earned it. Uh, my I'm guest... I about to say, Hilton <laughs> Hotels would be pretty incredible. Yeah. Like, how how did that get through their PR? How did they sign this oh, off? That's your target audience, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. Oh, oh, I need to introduce you, don't I? Uh, no, no, you right. don't. I'm just some guy just suddenly just walked onto your podcast. Yeah, I just started a podcast in the middle of a Skype chat with a friend. Um, yeah. My guest tonight. Uh, so the show is called, it's like me and, and other disappointments, right? But tonight is a little bit different. He is not a disappointment. He's a bloody legend. Depends who you ask. Yeah. Okay, fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, he's, he's a mixed bag. <laughs> yes. he's, he's here to join me and talk shit about the charmless fucking abortion that is British politics. He's got a sweet face, a kind heart and posh taps in his bathroom. Please welcome to the show, Jules, a.k.a. Bedhead. Woo! Welcome. I always change my username on TikTok. Always. I don't know why. In fact, recently I haven't done it. So the last half a year I haven't changed it. And it's now it's just the same for the last six months. Bedhead underscore Jules. But... Um, I, I'm not really looking for more followers. I don't really care, to be honest. Yeah, you're pretty. I'm back. just there, just to be a four-eyed buffoon who just talks rubbish and and tries to tries to debunk mis debunk debunk is good is a good one debunk misinformation. Yeah, yeah. I uh, did I get punk in your head then from the punk politics? I think you probably did. Yeah. No, you're way more like relaxed about your output and gaining followers and all yeah. that so i'm just a i think raging egomaniac you're a, like i just you're want to... a whore you're like a i am yeah yeah but I... you do a job of it age I, I i have a little smile on my face when i'm cooking up my bacon bagel in the mornings and there's your face on my screen yeah 
chatting away. I just like getting like if I if I see a news story and I think that there's something funny, like a, an obvious dose of hypocrisy in there or something, yeah. you know, paradoxical, yeah. like I, I can't fucking help it. I'm like, well, I've, I've dropped my kid off at the school. I've got 40 minutes to kill between the school run and the nursery run. Yeah. And you, you're always walking from yes. somewhere to somewhere. And I yeah. think that's a good environment. So it's like that's your that's your M.O. aid. It's like you um, you, what, what's your what's your tagline on TikTok? Um TikToky bastards, whatever it is. Yeah. Good morning, my uh, sexy little TikToky bastards. Sexy little TikToky bastards, and then you're there in your Parker jacket with a good old grin on your face, talking about dystopian UK. It's it, well, I mean, it's super dry, really. You know, credit where it's due. <laughs> I just want to throw that out there, just on the off chance that somebody from Super Dry might want to buy an advert, even after the fucking Hilton paedophile stuff. Um, yeah, no, I'm I'm always like the beginning of the TikToks. I'm like basically, you know having just dropped him off and then by the end of the tiktoks like sometimes i'm back in this cabin like <laughs> yeah. like full-on like why not go for a jog with aid in the book like that's kind of what it feels like um I, I always sit here and i'm like right i'm gonna take a 10 minute break and just sort of do this on tiktok and then i find a video and i'm like right <laughs> so i spend yeah. five minutes just doing research on stuff that i probably already know a little bit but i just want to fine tune and then i go in with this like fake brick wall and i go Blah, blah, blah. That's fake. Uh, oh, man. That looks good. Yeah, it's, it's pure wallpaper. It's lovely. Yeah. Excellent. I'm feeling it. It's like, um, you know, you're on your very own movie set there. It looks pretty legit. Well, look, this is the idea in 2020 that we, we would be like, right, we're going to make this an office and we're going to work from home and it's all going to be fantastic. Um, yeah. But uh, I mean, how, how fake... How fake is it? Like, is it? Well, is, but is is it actually a filter? It's a fucking filter behind you, isn't it? Is it? It's not even wallpaper. Like... My whole, my whole, my, I'm just a, f- a pure filter aid. I'm not really here. Yeah, I'm Avatar. an AI. Yeah, actually, that's the thing that's pissing me off with TikTok at the moment. It's like I'll do my rant at the phone or whatever, and then like it's about twenty or thirty seconds in, it changes you into a cartoon, and no, I'm like, it annoys me as well. I haven't selected this. I haven't said, yeah, I want that filter to come in. Yeah, and... It annoys me as well. Yeah. Infuriating. And, and, and you, you, I don't know, you don't, you don't tend to stitch a lot, but when yeah. you stitch and they've got the music on and you forget and then you start mm. filming something and then this, this music goes on and you're like, oh, for God's sake. Yeah. For any uh, benefit of anyone that listens to this show that is not so familiar with TikTok, stitching is where you take someone else's video, you cut a little bit out of it and stitch yourself then like responding to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not enough five minutes, but I guess I understand why. And also, if you're not on TikTok, like where are you? It's like it's where it's 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 hip and happening, guys. There's, there's a shit ton of people on TikTok. Yeah, there really is. Yeah, I've been hearing a lot about YouTube Shorts recently, where uh, people are saying basically because YouTube has all the infrastructure there and the user base uh, that YouTube Shorts will become the, like the new TikTok. Uh, and TikTok, because it is still relatively young, but also because of all of the information security concerns around it. Like if you read, there's a blog published about it a couple of years ago where the this software engineer said, I have reverse engineered TikTok as an application and I've never seen an app that drinks in so much user data as yeah, the, like there's n- no reason why they should need all of that information. I'm not surprised. Um, but it's, yeah, I don't think it's built directly by the chinese state but i think it's a very very close affiliation well it's like um it's like these apps i think there's one called face app where it's it's owned by some kind of russian business who 
tech business who spies on not spies necessarily but it looks that way when they, they gather all your information up essentially um yeah sneaky. did you read about this chinese balloon no the states so there was a chinese spy balloon three right. times the size of a, of a double-decker bus apparently circling i don't know where in the states but um they didn't shoot it down because of a safety concern, because if they shot it down, it would be full of components that would hurt people and stuff. Right. But that's really, that's like dystopian surveillance, isn't it? This great, huge surveillance balloon by the Chinese. Well, they, I don't know why, how they know it's the Chinese. Do they have the Chinese flag on the, on the front of it or something? I'm not sure. Yeah, that sounds like it's either a really like impressive spy op by oh, China. Boy. It's either that. Where I'm just like fuck, man. I mean, that's ballsy. Like credits, credits where it's where it's due. Yeah, yeah. Putting a great big hot air, like, and it's not even like when you think of spies, you think you know James Bond going undercover and pretending he's so you know and getting a job and going uh, like stealth kind of spy ops. You don't necessarily think let's buy a fucking great big fuck off balloon and fly it above the adversarial state and yeah. hope they don't notice. Yeah. So I like that, but then also on the flip side. I wonder if, like, it like was it just a hot air balloon? And like you are alluding to, it had like maybe a red circle on it or something that looked a bit <laughs> like. And then some dumb fucking hick redneck ran out with his rifle. <laughs> like, it's, I, a, I, yeah. it's a China balloon. <laughs> Apparently, it was over Montana, and right. uh, according to the Guardian, the Pentagon has said it is tracking a Chinese spy balloon flying over the U.S., but decided against shooting it down for safety reasons. I don't know how they knew it was Chinese. Yeah, uh, but it's been watched since it entered U.S. airspace a couple of days ago and monitored essentially. But that's very, very ballsy of them. Yeah, very ballsy. We're entering a very in... weird stage of. What's warfare. in Montana though? Like, if you were going to fly a a Chinese, I guess, I guess it's on the way. If you think about it, because it's kind of, kind of the West Coast, kind of. Yeah. So it's kind of next to like Washington State and Oregon and. All those. Sometimes I think, like, is it the t is that them testing the water? You know, like the way that they say with privatization of the NHS, what they'll do is they'll put like one cabinet minister or ex cabinet minister, like a Sajid Javid, out front and centre, saying, "Look, I think we should consider charging people for the health service, and see how that floats. And if people are willing to accept that, then they'll put out a couple more. And is it like that with the balloon? Like they're like, look, we'll just." start let's not go too crazy we can't invade them with fucking 500 balloons into new york one day like just do just do one just one and make it somewhere weird like montana like out of no in the middle of nowhere and if they're cool with it there you know three or four yeah. more well yeah it's like um this whole financing for the nhs did you see piers morgan's interview with rishi sunak no so, Mostly because the sight of both of them makes me vomit myself inside out. But do yeah, continue. It felt, it felt very weird. And there's only been a few times that I've agreed with Piers, Nor Piers Morgan. One of them was the pandemic mm. uh, and the way that he bigged up nurses um, and demanded the government do more than clap for the nurses. Uh, and he, I, thought, I don't know if it was recent, but it, it was it was I'm sure it was the last few months where Rishi Sunak said, we'd love to give nurses a pay rise. We'd mm. love to. But we just... We're trying to find ways of benefiting them in other ways. Yeah. And it's like like, like, a, like a bursary for, for, to, for nurses to come in, you know, a £5,000 bursary. And then he wouldn't say that he dislikes the fact that, that nurses have to pay £1,000 a year for parking. Yeah. 
And he was like, oh, we'd love to give them a pay rise. Okay, okay, how about take some of the money that Shell just earned and give it to the nurses? Yeah. We know exactly what you're doing. Yeah. Did he ask anything about, like, um, locum doctors, contracted staff, that sort of stuff? Like, Because the whole (laughs) argument is like... Yeah. Oh, we'd love to give them all a pay rise, but we just can't afford to. And it's like, well, listen, how, how about this, genius? Like, if you weren't hemorrhaging fucking millions upon millions on, like, contract staff through yeah. your fucking donors, maybe there'd be a little bit left in the kitty that you could give these guys a leg up? Yeah. Like, did he ask look, that? I've heard this from the horse's mouth. My dad work, has worked for the NHS um, for 40 years. He's worked in uh, North London. Um, uh, I, I don't know the phrasing. I used to work in the NHS when I was very young, but... Um, he uh, he's worked in the NHS for 40 years and he says it's never been worse than it ever is for paying contractors. At one point right. last month, their monthly budget, they couldn't pay some of the contractors on time because their budget was so thin. Mm. And it feels like it feels like the government are squeezing every possible public resource yeah. instead of looking at the, the, the main problem. Did you see um, and it's going to get worse, but obviously with uh the 1.8 billion cuts on um department of education Mm. what impact that's going to have on schools Mm. what impact that's going to have on the future generation and if it wasn't for the fact we've got a general election next year how (laughs) the outlook for children would look like yeah this is the thing like because everyone's talking about you know teaching teacher strikes mm. rail strikes nurses Mm. paramedics strikes I don't think it's really settled into many people yet what the output is going to be of the dire financial state of the country. Like we had 12 years of austerity, slashed all these public services to the to the brim. And now we're in a situation where like, I mean, what what even was all of that for? Like we, we, yeah. we're not in control of our finances at all. And now they're saying we've got to make another like 12 billion across all. Think think of it's 12 billion across all public services. Maybe it's more. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, they, they already like in the austerity years, they diluted the skill set of teachers down to teaching assistants and hired in loads more of those. Um, they increased the numbers that you could have in one classroom. Yep. Um, it's like and no, no disrespect to any teaching assistants out there. But I mean, you know, you must know that you're not real teacher. No, wait, I can't say that. Um, but it's like you, you, you see my point, like you, you. You're already paying people less and making those savings and like stretching it threadbare. What you're right, like where where else can that axe fall? No, and this is the thing: all the main public services are being stretched beyond mm. all comprehension. And there's no there's no logical reason behind it other than if they don't want to um, uh, put a levy tax on on companies like Shell, there has got to be some financial incentive there. Yeah, there's got yeah. to be some financial incentive. It's a similar thing with Rishi Sunak having a having a um, uh, being a hedge fund in uh, Moderna, mm. and him having a a, a financial uh, reason for pushing Moderna in the UK in the last year um, for the vaccines and things like that. But it, I can imagine it's exactly the same with Shell, with these big oil companies. They're even telling the government. Please put a tax on us, yeah. and they're not yeah. doing it. And there's a reason for that. There absolutely is a reason. Yeah, I mean that's an important point, isn't it? It's like they must know that commercially, PR-wise, there is a limit to to how much people will take when they see all of the public services that they themselves and their families, relatives, friends rely on uh, 
declining getting worse you can't get a gp appointment this this function over here is on strike that doesn't work um and meanwhile their taxes are going up and up and up and they've got less money to actually feed themselves and get, there's a limit to how much people like people will take a lot of shit you can feed people a lot of shit sandwiches but eventually they're gonna go i'm fed up of eating these shit, shit sandwiches and they'll fucking riot well, well and, this is the thing so do you know the average increase per household per year in, currently what in like real terms wages or as in um, uh, cost of living increase, oh. so by bills and everything. I'll hazard a guess about two grand a year, is it? Four. Is it? Double. Mm. Nice. About four. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's about, uh, it's just maybe a, maybe a bit more than that, because I think it's three to four hundred per month on average. Mm. Uh, so you've got to look at it as uh, <laughs> this is this is the final dance yeah, the Tory party before they get absolutely obliterated in the next election. That's it's currently what is it? It's currently fifty-one percent in the polling, mm. and twenty-six percent for Conservatives. That they're going to get demolished. Yeah, torn apart. And there's there's an idea floating around that they know the game's up. They mm. know that they're a not going to get elected, uh, and you know, save for some sort of. Uh, God event, you know, ch changing mm. things. Um, I was, what's the phrase I'm looking for there? Not God event, like hand of God, so, something like that. You know what like I mean? Like a day ex machina, like a like an event just to come and come along and save them. Yeah, like something almost apocalyptic would have to happen yeah. to change yeah. that lead around mm. now. Um, but so so they know that the game is up, um, and so they're basically looting and you know being corrupt as much as they can while yeah. they can while they're still in office to to sign off on these deals and. Uh, and contracts and so on and i think there's something to that i think i think if i was a tory um you know a cabinet minister or chief whip or something like that and i knew i was going to be out of a job in like 18 months i a selfish part of me might be thinking yeah. fuck i need to quickly build a nest egg how can i do that well i can take this suitcase off this guy here and i can do a dodgy deal with that and then that'll tide us over and just mm. until i get my board roll after i and here's a question for you Aid. Mm. As as someone who I'm sure has voted Labour all your adult life, correct? Labour and Lib Dem, yeah. Labour and Lib Dem. I think that's me. I think I voted Lib, voted Lib Dem once. Yeah. Um, when the Tories came in in 2010, how did it appear to you? Because to me, I had a friend, me, me and my friend were both very, uh, we didn't go out and protest, but we were very much on the sort of front line discussing it with people on the streets and blah, blah, blah. And, and the impression was that they were done with the overspending of of of, of Labour, mm. but thirteen years later, are the Tories that got into power the, the the same Tories that are currently in? And this is the question I, I wanted to ask you actually. So, in twenty ten, when they won the election, was a different uh tory ilk and i know that it was you know it was cameron it was osborne it was still entitled silver spoony tony and cunts and all that yeah. but uh but my experience my remember i'm from maidenhead which is like theresa may's constituency it's a very conservative town although it did flip lived them for a few years um yeah. but my experience of conservatives was like people like my brother like my brother went to the con club in maidenhead he'd met theresa may he um, he, he had rubbed shoulders with a few people and my, like, I love my brother and he's quite a reasonable, intelligent guy. And yeah. um, we've had conversations about this where he'll, he'll say, 
you know, conservatism is about just being responsible for yourself and not being a burden to other people. It's about investing in yourself. And, I, and there's parts of that I buy into. Like, I, I see myself as someone who wants to invest in myself. And um, and so I, I suppose the point I'm getting to is, like, around 2010, when that was my experience of conservatism and I was being bamboozled with all this PR of like, you know, hug a hoodie and, you know, Cameron's actually really environmentally conscious and blah, blah, like, oh, and they're going into government with the Lib Dems. So it can't be all, but like all of that stuff, I never dreamed it was going to be as bad as it turned out to be. And now that we're 12 years down the line, I am completely convinced, nay, radicalised, that it doesn't matter who you have at the top of the Conservative Party, if it's a Cameron or, uh, or a Johnson or a Sunak, it is the machine underneath that is completely enslaved to donors, whip culture, second jobs, yep. billionaires, like all you get with a conservative government. To my, I'm happy to be corrected if someone wants to debate me on this. But all you get with a conservative government, to my mind, is an admin team that sells policy to billionaires. I don't it's think like, that'll ever change. It's like total spin. Mm. It's complete spin. And so they're like some um, corrupt oligarch who is only only like at the beginning, maybe had some good intentions, but now is so corrupted by the concept of what it means uh, to be able to benefit, you know, from hedge funds and things like that. And and it's just got to a point where I think you, I've said the number of people I've spoken to who have have in the last few elections voted conservatives and now they are not voting conservatives. Yeah. Um, and it's really interesting. Yeah. That well, my shit. my brother, I don't think he would vote Conservative again. Not not for a long time. I think he would go Lib Dem, which is interesting, isn't it? Because it's like the the Liberal Democrat. You would think the Liberals would be far removed, like further removed from uh, disenfranchised yeah. Tory voters. Yeah. In some, but it is. It always seems that way. Like in home counties constituencies, if they're not going to vote Tory, if they're pissed off at the Tories, they will consider flipping to the Lib Dems before they would consider Labour. Yeah. And you'd think the people who are voting Conservative who are a bit more far hard right would vote for a party that is more far right or hard right. Yeah. Yeah. Which, of course, we saw with, um, you know, the, the UKIP years and the Brexit years, uh, sorry, Brexit party years. Um, but I'm pleased to say I don't think, don't, I don't think I'm talking shit here. I don't think this is misinformation, but I don't <laughs> think the same, like, swathes of people are running to the reform party in the way that they did with the brexit party when they were disillusioned with the tories about leaving the eu no well isn't isn't the population of the uk now overwhelmingly in favor that leaving the eu was a mistake yes overwhelmingly now and yeah. there's only a certain pocket i saw in lincolnshire where they that for some reason they don't believe i think it's boston yeah and they don't believe they still believe that there's a chance and like you speak to certain people in certain a certain generation, yeah, uh, who perhaps maybe agreed with the EDO and things like that on on immigration or what have you, and they will still deny it. They will still deny that Brexit has had an impact on our economy. Yeah, and they still they'll still say long term we'll see benefits. And I'm like, well, well, your government left the single market as well as you know the yeah. EU. What do you expect to happen? I, I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were saying that in that particular area where there's three constituencies who all say they don't regret Brexit, um, 
they're all very very agricultural areas and so there's something in that around farming like farmers rights and not being overly regulated by the eu within that world but i i couldn't get into it in any more depth than that yeah um let's let's talk about uh our favorite character of the week dominic raab um so <laughs> very spot how many how many um um complaints has he got against him now i think it's 25 <laughs> might be 24 um which i think is fucking great because it's like at the beginning of all of this when this all started bubbling up uh the defense was like you know he's he takes his work very seriously and in the cut and thrust of life in parliament sometimes emotions spill over and people might you know if they've been working hard and they're very tired they might misinterpret his passion for bullying or target like and i'm like yeah but like maybe once maybe once that could happen like but i've been snappy complaints yeah but 25 fucking people all junior staff and they all say like that guy's a fucking piece of shit and he bullies and he targets and he belittles. <laughs> why is why is every member of the front bench somehow corrupt or not fit for office in some way or another? Yeah. What is what is wrong with them? Yeah. I don't and look, we're not, I'm not going to pretend and sit here and say that Keir Starmer is an angel compared to the Conservatives. I really dislike the fact that he wouldn't join the picket line. Yeah. And fired... Well, who was it that he fired? He fired a M- Labour MP for for joining. That's right. And I, I just abhor that. I don't. I don't agree with that. I think you're just trying to appease certain people. Like, who are you trying to appease, Keir Starmer? I don't really well, understand. I did a solo episode of the the pod about this on Wednesday, and my theory is with him. Uh, it's not a particularly complicated theory. I'm not going to pat myself too hard on the back if and when it comes true. Uh, but my theory is that. He, in order to maintain this lead and to like to be a dead cert for getting into power, he just cannot rock the boat. He has to appeal to disillusioned centre-right Tories. And he's made the calculation that people on the left and far left will probably end up voting Labour at the general election. So that's why he doesn't oppose on things like, like this week they were saying, would you... Would you let Nicola Sturgeon pass the gender recognition reform bill? Would you allow? And he was like, "Nah, I'd probably hold it." And I'm like, "Oh, come on, man!" Like, yeah, he's always been a little bit controversial when it comes to trans rights in the past, anyway. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's not. He's not. Um, he's definitely not a saint when it comes to stuff like this. Interesting, because yeah. I I sort of put it down to like he just basically what I think he tries to avoid in every single situation, every bill, every debate or picket line. He's like, I cannot run the risk whatsoever of the daily mail the express the sun anyone saying look at that fucking like red kid like communist guy on the picket line oh, what a socialist what yes. like oh solidarity comrade and like you know well, he look, cannot be that because he'll just end up going down a corbin hole and exactly you know, and this is the problem and this as much as i and i'm sure everyone that we talk about politics with would agree that Jeremy Corbyn's policies and what he was standing for, we can all agree yeah. on, most, on most of what he was fighting for. But it's just the fact that he was a bit tone deaf. He was just completely tone deaf about the state of the country and the fact that regardless of what um, people on Twitter say who are Corbynistas, there's no way he would have been accepted as prime minister. 
Mm. No, not a chance. I think the important thing to to focus on there is that, yes, like most people agree, they actually, when when they released their manifesto that year, fantastic manifesto, great ideas. Yeah. It was, I I always said, like, I I loved his policies. I just thought he was a bit of a useless leader. Yes. Um, uh, I I didn't even necessarily think that he, like a lot of the anti-Semitism stuff, I was like, okay, I don't think it's anti-Semitic to say that people are using anti-Semitism as a political weapon to take him down. I think yeah. there's a couple, there was a couple of things that came out where I was like, oh, that's not, I'm not cool with that. Um, there was a, was it a picture of a mural or something that he had commented or liked on Facebook? And I was like, why would you, that seems yeah. an odd thing to like or to be associated with yeah. if you're not yeah. of those. But, but anyway, all of that aside, uh, I was like, if it's, if there's absolutely no truth to any of it, then he's just the unluckiest opposition leader ever. And mm-hmm. he's because he's just completely incapable of capturing the narrative and responding to this shit in a way that doesn't make him look really, really like bad. Yeah. Like, and there's some you really can think. Sorry, really you think, go. go on. I was going to say, I don't really think, though, currently there is a politician that uh, people both agree with their policies and find likable. Yeah. So you I mean, apart argue... from apart from Dominic Raab, right? Uh, apart from that um, very charming and not a bully at all, Dominic Raab. But you look even look at Rishi Sunak. He to me, he is like a squirmy. Yeah, he's like, not likable. He's not likable at all. I thought when he first came, he became um, flipping. What was the thing in twenty twenty? Uh, Chancellor. Yes, Chancellor of the Exchequer. Exchequer. Right. Yeah. He um. He he looks likable. He looks really likable. From my perspective, I was like, oh, okay, well, if he gets the chance to lead the party, how is that going to look? Because he's definitely more like he was definitely more likable than Boris Johnson. So, what, right. So here's an interesting thing. Uh, was he more like like I I think he had a good slick marketing team behind yes. him. So loads of like Instagram and Twitter posts with nice fonts and and all that. Uh, so I think there was that. But also, I think it's interesting to look at why he was liked around that time. And actually, a big part of it, I think, was that we were in a really tricky spot with the pandemic. A lot of people needed a lot of help really quickly. and We needed to see some compassion and pragmatism. Mm-hmm. And he stepped forward with policies that even people on the right call, like now they call it like consocialism, because he stepped up and he was like, right, we're going to have to put furlough payments out to people. We're going to have to support people and get, you know, that those are actually quite socialist policies yep. for the state to step in yep. and look after the population like that. Yep. So is that why he was so popular around that time? Because he adopted left-leaning policies? I mean, there could be an argument for that, couldn't there? But now he's he's gone into full right-leaning nonsense, bullshit. Yeah. So obviously it's this whole thing of like war on woke that Rishi Sunak said it. I think it was July. Yeah. And this whole, I, I'm going to do a little, tiny bit of a tangent, which is the, some sure. of the area that we discussed, but this idea about from, from and it's, it's the same in the U S a little bit in the UK, where it's this like rights of the rights obsession with wokeism. Yeah. And Rishi Sunak is, is, is victim to that as well. Like, He's not interested in a culture war. And I'm like, well, you're only not interested in it because you're appeasing your audience, Rishi. It's ridiculous. 
Yeah, I think it's so. There's a saying, right, with um, the left and the right. They say like the left uh, policies that the left come out with are rooted in truth. It's like we want to help this subset of people over yep. here, and we want to help these guys and the poor and the elderly and the frail. So the left come out with sort of honesty and truth. The right, when they they have to lie because actually what they're there, I mentioned earlier, like the machine, they are there to preserve power, to conserve conserve um, and write policy that is going to benefit the few, like the yeah. 1%, right? Mm -hmm. And in a similar way, uh, I think this is like the woke thing is the next step on from that. So it used to be that the right would just lie. Now it's like the right, I mean, they do do that still, but they have this scapegoat, this sort of non-specific, undefinable thing that is woke. And obviously that works incredibly well for politicians in the UK, but also in the US where you've got yeah. people like Ron DeSantis, um, Marjorie Maybe. Taylor Greene, yeah. Trump, like all of them will will run to woke because it is it's not something that people can disprove. It's really hard to pin it down, like what it is yeah. that they're talking about. It's. I saw um, an article written in, it was an American newspaper, and it said, um, this war on wokeism is the elite's effort to protect their privilege. Mm. And that's all it is. It's preserving. Like, they, they would rather not change and go on the defensive about this change because, and, and gaslight uh, people on the left by saying it's woke, mm. then actually look at the problems head on that perhaps they're the privileged ones that they benefit from with the current system in place. Yeah. And obviously wokeism originates from, uh, it doesn't originate from BLM, Black Lives Matter, but it originates from uh, the the culture in the US with regards to, well, essentially the massive culture war in the US compared to the UK is completely different. Um, and it's really interesting that, that this is now sort of bled into UK politics yeah it's sort of americana Im imported americana isn't it totally um yeah i mean the stuff i was reading earlier this week about what's going on in the us is is there's so many obvious parallels to draw in the sense so over here we like the right will obsess over poppies and statues uh yeah. proms um uh, that's their woke yeah or like maybe like work from home to some extent like that's in the orbit of the yeah. same culture war stuff Whereas in America, it seems like they go full throttle, like jump straight to fifth gear on this shit. Like they'll they find anything. Yeah, like they they're doing don't say gay in the schools. Florida. Yep. Yeah, they're banning certain books. Um, they. I mean, like... look at so look at a good example would be um, drag story time or or, or um, whatever it's called in different areas. So you see these big protests by members of the right mm. saying that we're sexualizing children. And that it's woke to try and put force these ideas, force yeah. these ideas onto children. And the only reason they categorize it as woke is because their confirmation bias and their privilege as probably likely white cis human beings, they are not interested in accepting these people into the, and and then sacrificing their privilege essentially. Mm. So yeah. you see, this, you see these people saying that it's sexualizing children, when all it is is saying, look, there are different people with different types of um, setups, and and people come from all colors and creeds and uh, sexualities and, and genders, and, that, and that's okay to be that, and it's okay to be that if you grow up. Instead of 
what my what my dad had to deal with when he came out because my dad is came, came out as gay in 1996 yeah uh 95 and he had a torrid time because at the time the culture was not as you reach your you know your early years your you know teens and young adult you you are comfortable with the idea because it's not been hammered into you that anything other than being straight is weird yeah and so this is what the right have an issue with is that we are making we are normalizing diversity whether that be uh diversity with race color creed sexuality gender they don't like that because you'll notice a lot of the people that are uh, are protesting and who use the, the term woke are all white yeah they're all white and they're all generally cis so yeah. It's what's a that, to deflect, essentially. What's that saying that I will now butcher, I'm sure, but like yep. it's um, it's like when you've always had this level of privilege up here and other people are down here, mm-hmm. then if somebody tries to address that and balance it a bit more and brings you down to there, to mm-hmm. you, that feels like oppression. And yeah. because you're being you're, like, they're taking away your freedom to some extent, or they're taking, you know, but actually what we're trying to do is sort of balance shit a little yeah. bit more. But yeah. to you viscerally, that would feel like you were being oppressed. And I think that's where a lot of it comes from and, and a sort of discomfort around um, having your eyes opened to the, the cold, hard reality of your existence as in this instance, an American. So they, they're, they're doing this thing at the moment where, they don't want to teach American kids or, or parents. Some parents do not want their kids to be educated on the crushing brutality that is like American black history. Yes. They just want the fucking Disney movie PG rated shit. Like, oh, yeah, Christopher it's Columbus came here and blah, blah, blah. And... It's interesting you say that. Aid. So I've got a question. So um, you are, what, four or five years older than me. So I don't I'm know. I'm 21, you... yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, when I was in school, I went to a regular comprehensive in North London. I was never in science taught evolution. Right. I don't know about you. I don't remember ever being taught evolution. Do you remember being taught it? I, I'm sure I was, but I don't remember it off the top. See, I personally have no memory of it. And I think there is an element of this um, religious privilege where they were too scared to teach evolution because it went against a lot of, because my, my school was very diverse and that put me in good stead throughout my whole life. But they was probably scared to teach it because a lot of the parents probably disagreed with what it meant towards their religions. Yeah. So it, it kind of harks back to this whole thing of like, you, you don't want to teach reality. Yeah. Worried about what that means to your privilege and your reality and your religion. But this is what gets me is like to to have a conversation with someone like Ron DeSantis or or any of his supporters. I would just like to have that that logical exchange and say, okay, so you don't want to teach kids about the actual history that created your country and actually arguably allowed it to flourish for, for better or worse. You don't want your kids to know that stuff. Why is that? And then to hear them say, this is woke. We're just woke. Like, they, won't, they won't admit to the reality of it. They won't yeah. admit to the fact that they, this impedes on their on their very comfortable existence. But isn't and there... so this is why you don't see any anyone else but white cis, usually straight people, yeah. using the term woke. 
like Tucker Carlson as a good example, or Fox, who have moaned and groaned about um, M and M's yeah. using an all female cast, you know, animated M and M's, and saying that it was woke. And I'm like, that's woke. Yeah, that's woke. Yeah, my friend. My friend Stoff does a great. Uh, he he did a TikTok a few probably about a year ago now, where he's pretending to be a guy. It's like man who thinks everything he doesn't like is woke. Like it's just like <laughs> driving around going like, oh, I, the traffic lights are gone red again. I saw woke. I yeah, read yeah. that's woke. Like <laughs> I'm like, yes. I mean, that's basically the quality of the political discourse in 2023. Yeah, and 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 wokeism has become a new buzzword for the right, really. Mm. Uh, it doesn't yeah. matter what it is, whether it's a culture war, a, a gender war, or whatever, and they, they just use this term in order to essentially gaslight and shut up this marginalised group. So this, so this is why, I mean, I, I don't know whether yeah. it's because I want to have a war on 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 the right on my own. I don't generally do it on my own. I, t- I tend to kind of speak to other people in that sort of like you guys and whatever. But mm. this is why I sort of go there. Full, fr- full throttle with uh, misinformation because I'm like, this is just demonstrably false. You were just marginalizing this group mm. because you can't deal with what it means to you and yeah. what it, your privilege. But it's interesting, isn't it? It's like, I, I like I, I don't want to go to war with people who use the word woke in that way. I kind of want to mock and ridicule, ridicule yeah. them. Like anytime you're someone pra- comes... You're a pragmatist, aid. Like, well, yeah. Pragmatist slash piss taker. Like, <laughs> yeah, you are a pragmatic piss taker, but pragmatic piss taker. Um, but yeah, like, I, 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 I think where I'd like to get the discourse to is whenever anyone says, Oh, that's woke, or don't listen to him, he's woke, or whatever, I want the crowd in front of them or like all of their mates to just instinctively know like knee jerk that actually that is just a black hole comment like there's nothing to it there's no substance they can't critically think they can't debate with you about whatever subject that they're now responding with woke like it's just them like you know it's like um what's that scene silence the conversation yeah but like what's the scene in the matrix where the agents do that thing to his mouth where it's like it it, like that's kind of what i would if they say oh that's woke just immediate like shuttering you know and it's just it's just interesting that that, that this is like you said this is the tactic of the right mm. and also generally i don't i'm not finding that our generation what you are you gen x or millennial right? You're... this is this is up for debate um so, so i was born in 1980 uh so, so you're right in at the turn of the millennium I was what 20 19 right so you're kind of on the border between Gen X and millennial then yeah okay but I guess what I'm Gen I, X really what, yeah so I've seen some various statistics and studies that show that millennials are not only the poorest and the least conservative mm. uh, but they're uh, more likely to be classed as woke and there's le- they're less likely to be to have these conservative viewpoints because we are less privileged and more yeah. and more diverse yeah um, and this is where that this is where the crux is this is why there's such a generational war between boomers my parents age and millennials and gen x well gen, i don't know gen x is i don't know 
they kind of sit in the middle, I think, a little bit. Gen Xers, they kind of sit in this kind of muddy in middle ground. Yeah, I think, I mean, you know, a lot is made of like recognising your or acknowledging your privilege. And I think Gen Xers, if, if I were to categorise myself within that realm, uh, I would say we had the last roll of the dice in terms of real like social mobility. So even though I got saddled with student debt, it wasn't yeah. anything on the range that kid these kids today are no. um it was actually reasonably modest like I, I paid it off through no real like pain it just you know comes out of your ni and tax and shit, right um and it was paid off when i was like 28 27 28 something like that um which i thought was a fucking hardship at the time <laughs> i was like oh i can't well, wait for this I know, so i know some people who are going off and living in a different country for a certain i think it's how many years is it and then they just literally just null it. Yeah, seven years or something, I think. Something like that, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think... You, and also, you know, I had I had some friends, not many, only literally a couple who got onto the housing ladder with no help from, like, the bank of mum and dad. Mm. Um, but it was still possible. Like, house prices were, were just low enough that if you really... If you did jail yourself for five years, you didn't go on any holidays, have no takeaways... Don't go to any of your mates' weddings. All you do, you sit there in your fucking house prison eating beans on top. Like, you could save a, enough but, money. It's a bit of an illusion a lot, in a lot of ways. I understand from both sides. So renting, you have the freedom to kind of do what you want and go off and do what, you know. But and buying has always been sold as this, like, positive um, investment. Mm. And I think this is that generational divide thing that has always been sold to us from our parents' generation. That we need to get on the property ladder and we need to get married and we need to have children and it's like the population is is aging fast because yeah. our generation and gen x's and gen z's are not having as many children yeah and and in by 2043 the population of the uk will be 12 percent over the age of 65. if you were a telegraph journalist how would you attempt to spin the fact that young people are not getting married and they're not having kids. How would you spin that? <laughs> I, I think it, I think if I was on the right leaning persuasion, I'd probably say they, they buy too many avocados. Yeah. Or some, something ridiculous. That's the cliche, isn't it? It's like, yeah. oh, if they didn't spend all their money on Netflix and iPhones and shit, maybe they'd be able to afford to have a baby. Well, but you, I, I keep, I always see like you, you kind of go and do this with TikTok. And sometimes I come across a video where it's a, someone over the age of 50 or whatever saying well these kids these days they they don't save and they're not good with their money and it's and, and it's like well you raised us yeah. you raised us we <laughs> still have the same amount of um you know extra money in our pockets as you but you had also had additional money which you could put on the property ladder yeah so what do you want from us yeah it's funny how everyone just happened to start getting really shit with their money right at the same time as the government stopped building the right number of houses which is yeah. kind of weird that what what a marvelous coincidence yeah um yeah yeah but, i mean look in, by 2043 the population is going to be significantly older in this in this country because our generation millennials gen x's gen z we're just not having as many children yeah uh, um you know from a personal perspective um this is uh, obviously a personal thing, but I had to get help from my parents on my tax bill recently because I just couldn't 
I I could not afford to pay the whole thing up front on my own. Were you not tempted to not pay it and then just, you know, wait for some sort of parliamentary investigation to complete and negotiate with the HMRC? I mean, that seems like a route that's open to everyone. Yeah, I know. Wait, wait for a bailiff. Yeah, tell me about it. But, yeah. But that's never been my ideal situation. So we're, pos- we're, you know, me and my other half are looking at it and like, do we want another child? We've got a three-year-old right now. Do we want another one? Yeah. That's extra expense right now. And Oh, wait, mate. I just, yeah. It's I, just- I joked with Lucy the other night. I was like, you know, when you sort of walk up to your partner and, you know, you put your hands on her shoulders and you go like, oh, like, how you doing? You're right. I'll give you a hand with that. And. And I walked up, put my hands on, on her shoulders, gave her a little kiss on, on the neck. And I was like, let's have another baby. And uh, immediately she's like, no. <laughs> it's like, they're are, so expensive. Yeah, we are the generations who are deciding that we would rather not. Yeah, I mean, and, and uh, the way that the, like, so that we've got an aging population, it's prohibitively expensive to get on the ladder and have any financial security it's prohibitively expensive to have any real sense of childcare unless you're super lucky and you've still got like grandparents and shit in the picture and they're not being forced out of retirement to go back to work by rishi sunak and jeremy hunt um so we're like where are we now so aging population and fewer fewer children so if if this keeps going on the same trajectory we're going to end up with like older 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 fewer 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 until it's just like 65 million 70 year olds being looked after by one 17 year old there's going to be less people under the age of 65 running the country mm. there's going to be more people in those kind of jobs who are over 65 there's also going to be more the probably my my prediction is you know by 2050 the biggest uh the biggest job going for you know our children and grandchildren will be carers for the old people yeah absolutely like that would be the biggest job out there the the, the big money earner because there's going to be so many older people out there uh who you know and as we get older that we won't have as much money so it's going yeah. to be a really weird situation do you but... think that's why do you think that's why just to bring this back to dominic Raab, do you think that's why <laughs> he's so obsessed with like shirkers and like he wrote that pam- that conservative pamphlet a few years ago about like how the british have a real productivity problem it's like because he's really he's gearing up to like in five years time or ten years time he's gonna be like right i know we said that you could retire but actually, you're all fucking going back to work. Like, come yeah, on, yeah. shirkers. I don't yeah, give a fuck yeah. if you broke I mean, look, your hip. Get down to mine. You're going to fast track it. You're going to see You're going to see people in, you know, like building contractors. You're going to see people in with walking sticks, you know, building a brick wall and what have you, you know, yeah. just as a random example. Because we're, we're just not that. We're, unfortunately, the vast majority of our parents' generation have done a bit too much of this conserving have yeah. tried to look after themselves and their and their families and not really thought about the wider society and then obviously you've had 13 years of Tory rule, rule which has destroyed the country completely yeah. so it's going to be interesting when the election comes around what the UK is going to look like with with a Labour government in charge and if there's going to be a significant change mm what what their clear manifesto is going to be what their areas are going to be to appease everyone um i don't think they'll be able to appease even like half of people i think that, like the, the chickens are going to come home to roost with all this mortgage interest rate rising stuff 
people are going to lose their homes buy to let mortgages are going to soar they're already soaring i've seen loads of tweets this week from people going what well, hang on a second what the fuck like my my landlord has just asked me for an extra 900 pounds a month as of like the next minute i'm like uh-huh that's that is what's going to happen to every tenant that is on a landlord's thing where actually it's a buy to let mortgage like underneath the rental yeah. agreement yeah um people are going to not be able to afford their rent they're gonna to have to move back in with their parents and if we're really lucky politically i know this sounds quite cruel um but if we're really lucky politically all of that happens before the general election so it's associated with conservative rule rather than labor get in and then like all these boomers are like what like how come my son's having to come back and live with me this just won't do at all i thought labor was supposed to fix all this which is well, yeah totally you, you what will happen see. You can just see that they're going to try and spin it. And as, you know, the tenure of hopefully more than five years uh, in charge, as it, as it progresses, it's going to be the whole world. Look, Labour have, str have struggled to pick the country up. And this is maybe why the Tories have done what they've been doing in the last few years, because they're trying to cripple the country so much that by the time Labour come in, yeah, it's going to look bad on Labour because they can't pick the country up because the Tories have destroyed it so much. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Okay. Here's here's a question for you because we've been chatting for for almost an hour now. So yeah. I'm just going to ask you this, and then I'm going to uh, pull the plug. Just leave you out in the wilderness, drinking in your weird brick wallpaper filter room, cold pizza. Yeah. Okay. So um, whenever I do podcasts with people of of a similar political mindset, sometimes I get the feedback from people go like look if you if you hate britain this much if you're this miserable here why don't you fuck off so here's my question to you jules why don't you just fuck off with pleasure <laughs> the problem is people think and this is a very um western especially uk and us attitude is that we've got it so good here mm. we've got everything so good why would we want to move to other countries and it's like well have you have you actually stepped out your front door mm. have you gone to anywhere other than spain you know, yeah. there's other countries out there that have much better quality of life than the UK, have a much like, for example, in Denmark, where they look after families, they may have higher taxes, but they actually use that money towards looking after families. I don't give a to be honest, I'm not a nationalist. I don't care about my UK citizenship other than the fact that it gives me uh, you know, the opportunity to travel to other countries. Mm. I'm not a nationalist. I don't care about Britain being British. Yeah, I really have no interest in it because. It doesn't fill me with patriotism, especially now. <laughs> especially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like, so, so one thing that you mentioned there, I just want to sort of quickly expand on. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that the standard of living in some of these countries, like Eastern European countries, Poland, Bulgaria, that traditionally we would, as as Brits, let's say, as nationalists, as flag fuckers, if you will. <laughs> Yes, we would we would almost look down our nose at these countries and be like, oh, they're coming over here because, you know, because we because it's Britain, because it's amazing. And then they send their money back there. Like, And all the studies are showing that by 2029, the standard of living in Poland will be higher than the UK. Like they will <laughs> outrank us. So you're going to get like people in the red wall going like, I'm just going to go over to Poland and do a contract and I'll send the money back. And, like it's going to completely flip it. Well, this is interesting. So the overall life satisfaction um, survey done, Eurostat statistics, mm. 
So <laughs> this is very interesting because this is talks. This talks about this pride of being British and that you know we we would be speaking German. It was if it wasn't for you know our grandparents' efforts in the war and blah 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 and that these other European countries are not like the Brits. And I'm like, well, okay, quality of life satisfaction. First is Austria. Second mm. is Finland. Third is Romania. Then you've got the Netherlands, Belgium, Poland, Sweden, okay. Slovenia, yeah. Luxembourg, Czech Republic, Denmark, Ireland, Germany, Estonia, Spain, Italy, Malta, Slovakia, Lithuania. And then you've got to look at it. And, you, and obviously we're not in the EU anymore. But it's this idea of compared to the UK, mm. they look at you other European countries and think, well, I wouldn't want to live there because it's not the UK. And I'm like, what is... What is yeah. so great about this country? Yeah. Name me one thing that's great about this country. Well, this is the whole idea, I suppose, of keeping education and history uh, kept within very fine like parameters yes. so that then you do continue to sow these seeds of like, well, we're Britain. You know, we won the war and we're bloody marvellous. Everything's just different here. British exceptionalism, blah, 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 blighty, blighty and off to bed. Good night. Like, and then you get the next generation coming up going like, yeah, well, this is, well, just everything's amazing here. But you're so fucking conditioned and brainwashed that if you did allow them to just, you know, these other ideas and the fact that actually we're not any better than these other countries that we're neighbours with and part of the same continent of, um, you know, I think, well, I mean, obviously the, the national psyche would change a great deal. Do you know what's ironic? So mm. obviously um, um, I'm, I'm my, one of my guilty pleasures is, Killing people, killing people. Um, yep. World War Two documentaries as well. Um, okay, both, I both both enjoy. Um, both but quite deathy, yeah. It's very deathy, but I just find the whole. I don't know why. Maybe it's something to do with my dad being interested in it as well. But what's interesting is that we would we were so good at repelling the Germans, and our air force and our navy was so good, and yet in twenty twenty three, our navy and our air force and our army is tier two like yeah. we're not the top tier armies anymore like we're we're not with the those big countries such as america and china and and mm. um even places like germany like our, our military is piss poor well this was the the big argument wasn't it around or uh, against brexit i mean aside from the the trade lunacy was that if we are a standalone military power with nukes, it has to be said, so we do have that, um, that we are, we're just an island with an army and a little navy, um, but increasingly the world geopolitically is moving in blocks and these blocks have their own like monstrous armies. So you have the US, you've got China, Russia, and what, like India uh, was the other one? Yeah. Um, and you can argue NATO. Yeah. Uh, but the idea that we is this little, like, we will either, I think it was Tony Blair said, like, we either align ourselves, like, with, with one of these blocks, or we will be pushed around by them. And I'm like, yeah, like, basically over the next 25, 50 years, if we last that long with climate change or whatever, but um, <laughs> we, we have a choice. We can either form an alliance now and be part of what we hope will be a success story militarily, yep. or we can consign ourselves to irrelevance and be pushed around and bullied and consumed um and it seems like for better or worse we've chosen the latter those two well yeah it's because we've been sold a ponzi scheme a mm. snake oil salesman but no actually jules that's 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 not true that that would never happen here because this is britain 
This is butter, butter. <laughs> Guys, uh, we need to leave it there. Thank you so much for uh, for for tuning in on the live stream. Um, quick, what's up to Ollie and Silent, uh, the Scarlet Bandit? I've not seen you in here before, but hello to you, Cecilia. How are you? Um, who else have we got? Am I missing anyone? Quickly, quick, quick scan up on the live chat there. Uh, Why am thief? Uh, hello, uh, Sean. O Sean O'Neill, bud. Um, I think I think that's everyone. What's up, guys? Thanks very much for tuning in. Um, Quick off of the cap to all of the Patreons. You guys uh, continue to make this all worthwhile. It does take some effort to organise it all. Um, and it's really nice to see you continuing your support of it. So a quick shout out to uh, to you all. Um, to do, 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 do. Sorry, you would think I'd have this all ready to go, wouldn't you? Um, quick shout out to Stuart, Anthony, Pingu, David, Alex and Chris. And then Ricardo, Silent, T-Rex, Oliver, Sarah and Kerry, thank you very much uh, for continuing that support. Um, I'm going to be in Soho next Friday, so there's no uh, live stream of the podcast next Friday night, but we will be back the following week. Um, next Friday, I'm on stage with Super Tansky, Danny fucking Price, Denise Headley, Jolly on Rubenstein, Ashley Hayden, Alexandra Haddow. Uh, it promises to be a night of laughs and probably tears. I get quite emotional after these things um and uh yeah i'm super looking forward to it it is sold out i'm sad to say but if you are interested in going to uh gigs like that there will be more and i'm always going to be publishing the ticket link for that uh for those on patreon first so if you want to get first look first dibs at any tickets for that sort of stuff or indeed attend the live meetups we did one in october um i'm going to do another one in april um last one was in brick lane uh it involved a bit of tequila uh, the Patreons brought along. I got a book from one of them. It's quite cool. I got a little Mr. It's quite hard to describe this, but it's like a little Mr. Bean doll with his like hands on his hips, like looking disapprovingly. Interesting. And he sort of shakes from side to side. And then he had like a Brexit hat on him. Like, <laughs> so he looked like a sort of proper like little Brexiter disapprovingly. Anyway, uh, so, yeah, I got a couple of gifts and it was it was good fun. We all got quite pissed, had a laugh. And uh, there'll be another one of those in April um and yeah so all of that's on patreon.com forward slash aid thompson with an in that's it from me thanks once again to my guest tonight jules aka bedhead do seek him out go and give him a follow i'll be back for the solo show on wednesday i'm outie